Let me set the scene. It is May of 1977 in a small city known as Albertville, Alabama. The area has just over 21,000 residents and is the largest city in Marshall County. Albertville is included in the Greater Huntsville, Decatur area. This area was historically inhabited by the Cherokee people and held many important battles in the American Civil War. Sometime in 1908, one of the deadliest tornadoes in recorded history tore through the small town. This storm practically erased the town from existence. Getting back on track, Albertville was known as a rather safe place with crime rates being relatively low at the time. On the morning of May 15, 1977, things would change in this allegedly safe community. Two locals were walking near Martling Cemetery and happened to notice something rather strange. They saw what appeared to be a human body. It was male. This body was not normal though. The throat was slashed violently. The torso had been covered in yellow latex paint, and several stab wounds were found on the chest. After all this, the body was then burned severely. Now when I say the throat was slashed, it was cut so severely, it was described by police as being from ear to ear. Some sort of acidic liquid had been used to burn off the fingerprints of the unidentified man. Soon after the discovery of the body, police began to create reconstructions of what the man possibly looked like to potentially help stir up clues as to their identity. Marshall County investigators publicized a photo of the man, but there never were any matches. After some time passed, the unidentified man was buried in the Arab City Cemetery with a gravestone marked as unidentified. 30 years later, and the 30th anniversary of the cold cases aired on the local news. Just a few counties over, in Limestone County, a family sees the broadcast and the photo featured and are stricken by how it closely resembles their loved one who went missing in 1977. Dean Kellum is an Athens, Alabama resident who owns a machine shop who thinks the body may be that of his 18-year-old brother who seemingly went missing 30 years ago. Bobby Kellum was just 18 years old when he left for a trip to Talladega with his girlfriend to go watch some races at the track. I am unsure if it was a NASCAR event of some kind or something else entirely. Bobby never returned from his trip though, and according to Dean Kellum, his family just accepted the fact that he was gone. None of them seemed to know what had happened to Bobby, if he was dead or alive, and no one ever reported him as missing even after 30 years of no contact. This part always struck me as a bit odd, and I have noticed several other people online mention the same exact thing. Why would you not report your brother, son, nephew, grandson, whoever he may be, as missing? If he had no prior history of running off and not staying in contact, this should be a cause for concern. I did find an article where Dean mentioned his brother was in some sort of trouble with the law for allegedly writing bad checks. I also found a quote from Dean Kellum, who mentions Bobby's girlfriend contacted him a few weeks after the trip and said Bobby had left her to hitchhike back home and was wondering if he made it back safely. This is one very disturbing detail in my mind. Anyway, decades would pass, and Dean Kellum would say he was 75% sure this man could be his missing brother. He would be quoted as saying, There's a lot of resemblances, you know. 
in the face and the forehead and all that. After seeing the report on WHNT-TV, he contacted Marshall County officials and gave them a high school yearbook photo of Bobby Kellum. Dean and his mother, Wilma Hicks, agreed to provide DNA samples so authorities could confirm or deny this possibility. The unidentified man's body was dug up from the Arab City Cemetery, where he was buried with just a marker and a date of death. DNA samples were taken from the body and sent in to be tested. At the time, this process could take anywhere from 8 to 10 weeks to get results if tissue samples could be found in the remains. If no tissue could be found though, authorities would have to send the remains to the FBI's laboratory in Quantico, Virginia to be tested using the nuclear DNA identification process. This process can take up to 36 months. In the meantime, former Marshall County Coroner P.T. Williams said he believes the remains are likely that of Bobby Kellum, going as far to say he was 95% sure it was him. Williams was the coroner from 1975 to 1979 and recalls examining the body in 1977 quite vividly. Williams mentioned the way the throat was cut, the man either had to be unconscious or held or tied down with great force. The local police force had a bit of an issue on their hands though. They needed to raise somewhat of $5,000 to get the remains tested. If they could not, it would take up to three years to potentially receive any results from the FBI. Luckily, the community as well as the local businesses around donated $4,000 and the lab agreed to give a $1,000 discount to help the case. On September 21st, 2007, Marshall County Sheriff's Department released the identity of the man found murdered 30 years ago. The man was indeed 18-year-old Bobby Kellum. The story behind what happened to Bobby during his final hours of life is largely unknown. I do have some information that I was able to find that could help us better understand what happened. Three people were identified as being involved, two of which have died, and one who was terminally ill. No charges were ever pressed, and the case was closed. Bobby Joe Kellum was 18 years old and had just begun work at the Fraternal Order of Police Fair in Anniston, Alabama. He had only worked there from May 2nd to May 14th, where he had met a 17-year-old girl who I have not been able to identify. The two spent a couple of days together and returned to Anniston on May 15th, where they apparently were picked up while walking down Alabama Highway 21 by the girl's father, Dewitt Thrash. A man named Brooks was also in the vehicle with them. The group dropped off the girl at home and told them that they were going to go drop Bobby back off at the highway or bring him home if it was close enough. Once they returned to Marshall County, the group picked up another man by the name of Barnes and drove toward Martling Cemetery. For whatever reason, when they arrived at the cemetery, Dewitt Thrash pulled a knife and cut Bobby's throat. He was likely held down by the other two men. No charges would be given as Thrash and Barnes died in 2005 and Brooke lives out of state and at the time was terminally ill with less than six months to live. Unfortunately, there is only a six-year statute of limitations to anyone involved and prevented any additional charges from being charged against Brooks. 
The closest thing we have to a motive is from a statement made by Marshall County Sheriff Scott Walls, who said the motive for the murder was likely due to DeWitt Thrash being upset that this man ran off with his 17-year-old daughter. Brooks, who had six months to live, did not want to die without getting this off of his chest. The identity of the girl has never been released, due to everyone involved seeing no basis for causing further harm. That last fact slightly bothers me, as apparently the girl had been told by her father many years later about what he had done. Maybe hiding her identity is the best, but I just feel like she should have mentioned this earlier to authorities. And, unfortunately with that, the story of the unidentified remains of a man in Martling Cemetery comes to a close. Thanks for watching this creepy and downright strange crime documentary. I don't do these too often, but when I do, I always try to find cases that just don't seem to get a lot of attention and that I do think could be solved. This one ended up with a happy ending somewhat, at least eventually it was solved, even though no real justice was ever brought. If you enjoyed this video, please be sure to give it a like, as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this video gets, the more YouTube promotes it in the algorithm, and that helps the channel grow. If you're listening to this on iTunes or another podcast platform, be sure to give the podcast a 5-star rating as it truly helps us grow outside of YouTube. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit the subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new video, as I upload them almost every single day in all things natural and supernatural. If you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, whether it be a scary story that's happened to you, or you have an unsolved cold case that you would like to see covered, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going. If you're not aware, you can download and listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories from iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and just about everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. And, as always, it's absolutely free and always will be. Thank you guys so much for supporting the Swamp the way you do. I'm trying to make more of these crime videos this year, and I hope you guys will support them and help us maybe push some of these cases to more eyes. Again, if you have a case that you would like me to check out, be sure to comment it down below or send it in to swampdweller.net. I'll see you guys soon with another creepy video.